When things didn't go the way that I thought they should, or if I thought I had fixed a problem and it popped up again, or another one took its place, I felt that I had failed. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, and I spend a good bit of my time doing presentations at caregiver conferences and workshops. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. No, I won't forget the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Many people are aware of the stages of Alzheimer's, but they're not necessarily aware of the stages of caregiving. Today, we're going to talk about that. Yes, and the six stages of caregiving are the expectant caregiver, the freshman caregiver, the entrenched caregiver, the pragmatic caregiver, the transitioning caregiver, and the Godspeed caregiver. So the expecting caregiver, that's the person who is expecting to help a family member or a friend, thus the name, the expectant caregiver. This would be a time to prepare for your caregiving journey by researching options, gathering some information or a lot of information, and provide the opportunity for the person that you will care for to share his or her feelings and values. And you should do this as early as possible. Absolutely. We're all okay until we're not. Right. And so everybody, I think, is is an expectant caregiver. There's going to come a time in their life where somebody that is close to them, near and dear to them, is going to need care. And every adult should be seeing themselves as an expectant caregiver. What's that famous quote by Rosalind Carter? <laughs> there are four, t- four types of caregivers. Those who are caregivers, those who will become caregivers, those who have been caregivers, and those who will need care. Right. So to prepare, if you're the expecting caregiver, um, one of the things that you should do is consult with a good lawyer familiar with caregiving issues. Find out about the durable powers of attorney. Um, The durable powers of attorney can be broken up into finances, health care, as well as also the living wills. And to ensure that your care recipient has the necessary legal papers in order for you to provide the best care you possibly can. Another thing is to determine the financial situation of your care recipient. Determine their monthly income or learn about their monthly income and learn, this is very important, Learn where passwords for online accounts are kept. The account does you no good if you can't access the account. And later on, later on, they may not recall. So get that as early, at least where it is. You don't necessarily have to know the information, just know where the information is. Also investigate community health care options. Those could be retirement communities, assisted living centers, et cetera, et cetera. You can contact community organizations and request brochures and pamphlets, but also research these organizations online. While their pamphlet may say that they're, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, online and people reviewing them online may be a different story. So get the full picture. 
Absolutely. You want to go in there and actually see what the people that are living there, how happy they are, how well cared for they are, how the people interact with them. Correct. Um, Understand your care recipient's routine. What time do they go to bed? What time do they get up? How often does he or she attend the senior center? What about the library or their worship services? The better you understand the routine, you'll notice when problems occur that may need intervention. If they don't want to go to church, if they don't want to do the things that they normally do, that's a clue that some things have changed. You may want to start a journal. Um, I remember with my dad, we had, I called it the smart book (laughs) that was kept. This can be useful later when you need to refresh your knowledge base on the things that you're preparing now and learning now. When you're very, very entrenched, you may not remember off the top of your head. You can always go back and look. So starting a journal or a smart book, as I said, that could be uh, something to help you along. And learn your care recipient story. Ask questions. You may be surprised, and I always think about Irene. And when you found out, uh, Irene was uh, an owner of a local store, and you were writing for the newspaper, and you were writing the article, What's Your Story? And it came out that this woman, this little old lady, that she was a hat model, was it in New York City? Yes. Back... How long ago was it? I forget what the time frame was. Was it the 40s? Yeah. Yeah. So you may be surprised to find out uh, the stories about your care recipient um, or even a family member. I mean, knowing who they were before can definitely help you yes. when you're dealing with them later on because those are the memories that are, that, that are going to stay with them. And if you can connect with them through who they were before, that'll help both of you along the way. Absolutely. So that would be the expecting caregiver. Then you move on to stage two, which is the freshman caregiver. And that's when you're starting to help the family member or the friend. This is where you enter into the caregiving role. This is your time to experiment, get your feet wet, see what works, what doesn't work. Um, If you're keeping that journal or smart book, you can write those type of things down to jog your memory later. And this is your opportunity to learn how the healthcare industry works with, or in some cases against, you, the caregiver. Some of the things you could do as the freshman caregiver is learn as much as you can about your care recipient's illness or other diseases or conditions. Consult local branches or chapters of national organizations. Is it the arthritis? Is it the heart association? Different things like that. Does he or she have more than one illness? That's very important because a lot of times there's different medications that go with those different illnesses and those interactions can be causing some of the behaviors that are perceived as dementia or interfering with the dementia medication itself. Absolutely. Um, Learn how to provide proper care from healthcare professionals is another thing that you can do. Ask about care videos. Ask about manuals or books. You can also search YouTube for hands-on information and tutorials. Always be careful to verify and validate, though, when you go online, because not all information on the Internet is correct. (laughs) (laughs) 
Another thing, join a support group. You can now with the COVID, there's a lot of support groups that are online. So you don't have to get in the car and drive somewhere. You can just do it right there from the comfort of your home. It gives you a lot more opportunity to um, find a support group that meets or um, within your time schedule. So that's very important to do the support groups. Often, you'll learn of community resources and options from other caregivers in the group that you were not aware of. Plan for regular breaks is so very, very important. An hour daily, an afternoon a week, a day monthly, whatever you can manage to get, and you're not always going to get it, but whatever you can manage to get, take. Enlist the help of relatives and community services such as a volunteer group at your local church, so you can have a regular time off. Right now, you might think, oh, this isn't so bad. I can manage without help. Well, the best time to create a team or a support team of who helps is right now. If you remember when we first brought your dad into our house, we said, well, we know it will be difficult from time to time, but we've got this. Right. And... We didn't know then what we know now. Yeah. So we did not have these resources in place. We did not have a care team. We didn't have any of that. And that's absolutely one of the reasons why we do what we do now and why I teach these workshops. Right. Another thing is rely on help from community organizations, things such as Meals on Wheels. Contact them. See what their availability is. See what resources they provide. Um, home care agencies and senior daycare centers. Investigate them. Go in person. Take a look at them. As as Bobby said prior, investigate. See how people are reacting and um, how they're feeling and and whatnot. That's your best gauge. Contact your local area agency on aging. They can give you a listing of services and organizations within your community. Visit your local medical equipment supply store to find devices and gadgets that enhance your care recipients' abilities and independence from you. Another preparation, keep your care recipients' wishes in mind. When appropriate, ask for his or her input and ideas. How does he or she feel about living at home? What does he or she fear or dread? Detail your care recipient's medical history. What are their medications? What are their hospitalizations? Get into the habit of regularly holding family meetings. This is so very, very important. If you have people that are engaged, hold the meetings. If somebody is not local, use Zoom. Create some household rules. Who does what and when? What are the expectations regarding support? engagement, and participation. Who's going to manage the money? Well, develop a budget, keep track of the expenses, set up a filing system for bills and receipts. Keep your care recipients' expenses separate from yours and your family's. This is so important. Don't mix in, well, I'll pay this this time, and then I'll worry about it later. Don't do that. Always keep the finances completely separate. Also, let go of expectations. You may expect the healthcare system, your house of worship, and your friends to step up and step in to help. They may, but they may not. 
when they can't, work to find those who can. And build your own paradise of privacy. Uh, Take a spare bedroom or another area that you can call your own. Your own place to have a glass of wine, as we say on the show. Uh, A bowl of ice cream. Or to just sit and pray or even just read a book for a half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever you can get. Two minutes, and sometimes your your safety place or your your uh, paradise of privacy is the bathroom yes. or in the shower. <laughs> and one of the things I remember that you had, you had the go bag, right? Like the uh, special forces military. Well, there's a lot of doctors' appointments um, involved in caregiving. Very often, somebody with an Alzheimer's dementia um, has another. Uh, illness as well. So you, you're scheduling a lot of doctor's appointments. And unfortunately, there are visits to the hospital. And the medical professionals always want to know exactly what medications that person has taken. You, you all don't only want to have a list of them. But if you have, have a few of them in the bag, too, um, just to make sure if you're, you know, sitting in the doctor's office a lot of hours, um, and you it's time for medication, so you have them there. Have a change of clothes and either, you know, have something to keep the person engaged uh, because you can spend lots of hours. Um, right. And have some snacks, too. Absolutely. So when it's time to go to the doctor's office or if it's time to go to the hospital, you already have the bag in the car and you don't have to worry that where that is. Um, and any special needs that your care your carry needs, you have all of that, and you can just hand it over to the medical professionals. Okay, so that was stage two, which was the freshman caregiver. So stage three, we're going to talk about the entrenched caregiver. And at this point, um, your involvement is constant, 24-7, seven days a week, every single day. And you're absolutely going to have to have a schedule for both of you because a routine will help you deal with the overwhelming stresses and responsibilities that wear you out. And they will. I can tell you from personal experience um, that they absolutely will. And if somebody is dealing with a damaged brain, having a routine will definitely help them get through the day if they know what they expect. Anything different is very upsetting to somebody with uh, dementia. So for the entrenched caregiver, what are some of the things to do or prepare? Um, This is probably the hardest stage, I would think. Um, The entrenched caregiver, like like I said, it's every single day, seven days a week, um, for months and sometimes years at a time. This stage can last, we thought seven years was a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, People do it for 15 years, 20 years. And often, as much as we would love to have people helping us, very often they're not. So we ask people to to determine their limits in in the day and what the role is and how long can the person needing care remain at home. And that's that's very unpredictable as well. And so you want to plan for it. there may come a time when you're just so exhausted and every resources, personal resources you have isn't there for you anymore, and you have to make the decision that at this point, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, for some people, it's when incontinence becomes an issue. Um, they're just not ready to um, have to deal with um, adult incontinence uh, 
at this point, uh, I'm going to make arrangements for mom or dad or whoever to go into a home. Or it could be if that person becomes aggressive and it's not safe to have them in the house anymore. So you want to think about that and um, be able to manage what goes on, what's beyond your limits and to understand that setting limits isn't failures, but an opportunity to put solutions in place and stay successful. So if that means moving the person out of your home into a care facility, you know, to understand that that's making the tough decision to make sure that person gets the best possible care and you get to be their family member and let people who are trained to deal with these um, exaggerated and, and more powerful issues and let them do that. And we want to determine that that person's limits as well. Can they feed themselves anymore? Can they dress themselves? Are they safe um, to bathe themselves? Do we have to take the straight razor out of the bathroom for your husband or your father so he doesn't try to brush his teeth with it um, and put systems in place to keep them safe as well? How long can they sit up before they need to get some rest, those kinds of things. Now, what about the support system? Uh, well, part of the support system is having people come in and help you with those day-to-day -day things. You know, if somebody um, is really comfortable with bathing somebody and they're willing to do that, you let them do that. But you want to think about support systems for yourself as well. Um, having people come in and just spend an afternoon with you and understand that you may be pulled away for a few minutes of a time to take care of the person in your care, but also to listen and let you vent and not be judgmental. Um, if you can take a few minutes to read a book, if that's what's helpful for you, it always has been for me, um, just a few minutes. Um, sometimes I tell people to just go out on the porch and scream for a while and let some of that right. pressure out. Right. What about getting additional help? as the care recipient declines? Um, that's, that's an interesting point of view because we want help as caregivers, but sometimes it's difficult for us to let go of it because we're the ones that know how everything works. We've put these systems in place. We're dealing with it every single day. So you have to ask for help. And once they say they're going to help, you can't stand there and tell them how to help. And that's not the way that you do it. Um, you have to be willing to, to walk away and, and um, accept help. If somebody says to you, do you need help? Don't say, no, I've got it. I'm fine. You, you give them a job to do and take a little bit of that pressure off of yourself. You know, forgive yourself for your bad moments and your bad days. They will happen. And I can certainly say that. I tell people I've made probably every mistake a caregiver can make because I didn't know then what I, what I know now. And I, have at that point, thought maybe I could control some of this. And when things didn't go the way that I thought they should, or if I thought I had fixed a problem and it popped up again or another one took its place, I felt that I had failed. I remember coming home and you being very upset and feeling very guilty that you lost your temper with my dad. And saying, you know, I'm really bad at this, and this is, I'm a horrible person. And I kept reminding you, no, what you're doing is a good thing. This is part of what it is. Um, and that you were a good person, you weren't a bad person, and you didn't suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> when people would find out what I was doing, they would say, Bobby, you must be a saint. And I always said, I'm no saint. And your dad would have been the first one to agree with me. Um, <laughs> but you do, you do feel guilt. I don't know of a caregiver who hasn't had a day or done something or said something or missed something where, that they felt guilty about. And there's a lot of information about out there about why it's you shouldn't feel guilty, but human beings have a wonderful talent for assigning guilt. Mm -hmm. So I just tell people, go ahead, feel the guilt, wallow in it for five minutes, and then do better. That's right. all we Forgive can do. Forgive yourself. Yep. Forgive yourself. What about when you're having that bad day or your care recipient is having that bad day? I think it, it's good to just separate yourself. You know, if possible, give that per sit that person down in front of a, a movie that you know they enjoy or a television program they know they, they enjoy and just walk away into another room and, and sit down and breathe. Because not all there, there's a saying out there that um, the person in your care isn't giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. But the fact of the matter, it's both. It's hard for them and it's hard for you. And we have to let them have their bad moments just like we have ours. And it's okay to say, I need a few minutes for myself. I can't talk to you right now. Um, just, give me a, just give me a little bit of time. That brings us to stage four, the pragmatic caregiver. And that's the caregiver that's settled into the role and into the routine. This gives you the opportunity to step back and reflect. The first three stages laid the groundwork for this stage, your period of personal growth. What you can do is work on finding joy during your connections with your care recipient. The biggest joy killer can be your hands-on duties like bathing, dressings, or the previously mentioned incontinence care. Add some fun into your hands-on work by singing songs, telling jokes, sharing goals, sharing dreams. Go back to in the previous stage where you learned about your care recipient. Have discussions about what was important to them back during those discussions. Engage them uh, from that point of view. One of the things that I tell people is, you know, if you walk in to that person's room in the morning and they're, they're, you know they're in a bad mood, and they don't want to deal with it. And you see that look on your face and just do a little silly dance for a couple of minutes and um, lift the mood. And it does, if it doesn't lift their moods, it'll lift yours. That's right. Um, another thing is work on forgiving. Forgiving others, including your care recipients. Forgiving your family members. Forgiving the healthcare system. Uh, your faith is one of the best ways to take care of yourself. And discover a different definition of achievement. How can you redefine success and reflect who you are now, right? Success early on might be getting your care recipient out, going for a walk, doing some different things, go to the dog park, watch the dogs run around. But now you can't do that. So you have to figure out what else you can do. Redefine what that moment or, or that joy moment can be. Okay, now stage five is the transitioning caregiver. 
and you've been caring for a period of time and can sense that the end is near. Your purpose is to walk with your care recipient during the last months and weeks and honor their wishes about end-of-life care. And I'm just going to touch on this briefly. Um, I give presentations that go into these stages in depth. Uh, Today, we're just kind of doing an overview. So during this transitioning period, your loved one might start to speak about death and dying. And um, you may want to stop that conversation because as much as we think we're prepared for it, we're not. But we want to let them talk um, and find out where their thoughts are and um, share feelings and tell them you're going to miss them and comfort them and help them release the fear about what's going forward. I remember being in the hospital with your dad and he asked the nurse, um, when am I going to die? And she said, Mr. Carducci, I see no expiration date stamped on your foot. Um, (laughs) Only God has the answer to that. This is a time to let other people in. The family members and friends who disappeared may now reappear, um, anxious to visit your care recipient. And you may have some resentment because they weren't there for you during the caregiving time, but you have to release that and and let that happen because it's not about them. It's about the person in your care. And while you may not want to see them, that loved one may very well need to say goodbye to that person. It's time to take a break or don't. It's up to you whether you want to do that because at this point of time, you may fear leaving their bedside in case they leave while while you're doing something else. If it feels like you need to stay by their side, stay by their side. But if you need to take a break, do that. I remember when you were um, with your mom and uh, you were hesitant to leave for so long, but then you and your cousin decided and your sister decided you were going to go out and have a bite to eat. Um, Coming back and reengaging was a very special moment. Absolutely. Um, she'd been unresponsive for a few days, but before we left, I said I had said to her, Mom, we're going to go and get something to eat. And she didn't respond, but I thought I saw her eyelids move. And when we came back into the room, I said, Mom, I'm back. And, and she said, that's good. <laughs> we were stunned. And she reached up and she took my sister's face in her hands and she looked up and she said, God gave me back. And it was a special... Uh, moment. Apparently, she had been close to death. Um, She had seen God, and he said, well, you need to go back for a couple of more days, and that's exactly what she did, and we had some very precious moments with her. This is a time to, you know, to hold their their hand. Um, Sometimes just a human touch is, is, is what they need. And allow yourself time to mourn and grieve. You know, we call dementia the long goodbye, and we've been losing them, you know, piece by piece for a long time. And we sometimes even wish that it was over, not because we want them to die, but because we want the pain to end. Um, but allow yourself to feel that um, and spend some time with them and, and say goodbye in a way that works for you. And it may seem odd at this time, but you want to start to be curious about what's next, what's next for you. And accept that you're going to have moments of discomfort and confusion, but you'll find your way. And it's a time to be patient with your transition. 
and recognize you have been changed. You are not going to be who you were before, but you have grown and be patient with yourself. And that brings us to stage six, which is the Godspeed caregiver. And you're not going to enter this until about a year, maybe two years after your caregiving ends. And a lot of us find ourselves compelled to make a difference in the lives of other family caregivers by integrating our role as a family caregiver into our new life. And that's exactly what brought us to where we are today. Um, I call Roger the greatest teacher I ever had. I believe that people come into our lives at a time when they're supposed to be there. And he needed me and I needed him. And it made that determination to support caregivers going forward in any way that I could. And that's why Mike and I do our presentations and our workshops, why I wrote the books, and why we're here today. And always, always, always treasure the memories you have of the care recipient. Your best memorial to your care recipient's memory is the life you build for yourself filled with healthy relationships, the productive careers, the joy, the laughter, and giving back. This is one of the greatest joys that we have right here, right now, doing this podcasting, helping other caregivers. And I want to wrap this up by saying some of those moments that you had, you struggled with, with so much difficulty during the time become very precious moments afterwards. Yes, they do. And we'll end this with thanks to Roger Carducci for all he meant to us and how much he continues to mean to us. Here, here. You can find more information about my presentations on my website at bobbycarducci.com. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.